Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the NBA and what's going down there. We'll touch on some NFL news. We'll talk about the big UFC card this weekend, touching on the WNBA, and have our best for last. Now, remember, you can follow the show on iTunes and Spotify, like, rate, and subscribe, and also definitely follow the Twitter and Instagram pages at JTimeSports. I repeat, at JTimeSports, it is the Justin Time Sports page for breaking news, podcast updates. I am constantly on both of them updating you. When I know something, I put it on there as soon as humanly possible. So definitely check that out. You will know before your friends know. It is absolutely spectacular of a site. Definitely check that out. Remember, at JTime Sports, the Justin Time Sports Twitter and Instagram account. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show on this lovely Friday afternoon. We are smack dab in the middle of the NBA Finals. We are getting some NFL news now. We've got big UFC stuff happening. We've got WNBA taking their official Olympic break. I mean, we have a lot of stuff happening in sports. Baseball uh, is right around the corner uh, from their all-star break. Uh, before I go anywhere, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on repeating as the NHL champs. Um, so the city of Tampa Bay has three titles in the span of two and a half years or something like that. Are there Tampa Bay Lightning won the Rays in the World Series, the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and then the Lightning win again. So in the span of two years, they've had four championship appearances with three uh, victories. For the city of Tampa Bay. So I know Green Bay is called Title Town, but as it sits right now, the city of Tampa Bay is on fire. And currently, the Rays are first place in the AL East, if memory serves me correctly. Uh, the Bucks are expected to win the Super Bowl again. And obviously, the Rays uh, and the Lightning, sorry, have just won the Stanley Cup again. So the city of Tampa Bay is absolutely on fire at the moment. But let's dive right into, well, speaking of fire, the Phoenix Suns. Get out of there. See that there. Speaking of fire, the Phoenix Suns are absolutely on fire right now. Uh, they close out the Los Angeles Clippers in six despite a valiant effort from Paul George. And they awaited the fate of the Milwaukee and Atlanta series, which turned out to be Milwaukee in six uh, due to a Trey Young injury. Now, Milwaukee did win those last two games without Giannis. Uh, after suffering his hyperextended knee, he was able to battle through for game one and game two. And the game two was absolutely a great game by Giannis. Uh, before I dive into the Phoenix Suns, I just want to talk about Giannis for a second. He made a lot of free throws. He shot about, he shot 19 of them or something like that at one point. He shot a bunch of free throws, but he scored 20 points in the third quarter. The first person to score 20 points in a quarter of NBA Finals game since Michael Jordan 93. He scored 30 points in a half in the second half. He's the first person to score. He's the second person ever in history to score 30 points in the second half of the NBA Finals game. And he joins Isaiah Thomas, who did it twice. Uh, with the famous ankle sprain game, he scored 30 in that second half, and he scored 30 again in the 1990 finals uh, in the second half. Uh, Giannis was incredibly efficient from the field. 
uh, when he wasn't seeing like he wasn't making a layup or a dunk, he was getting to the foul line and making a decent clip of his free throws. I think we overblow the Giannis free throw disaster. Uh, I think we over, well, not disaster. But I think we overblow the Giannis free throw situation because he handles the ball so much. If Giannis was a traditional seven footer that you fed the ball on the block a la Shaq, uh, Giannis at his worst shooting free throws is still better than Shaq at his best shooting free throws. And people say Shaq's free throws were like a joke. You know, they talked about, oh, Shaq shot really bad from the free throw line. Ha, ha, some percent. If he, if he would have made 75% of his free throws, he would have been an all-time leading scorer and all these other anecdotal jokes that the media and the sports world themselves have told about Shaquille O'Neal's free throws. Giannis shoots them at about 70%. Even in the playoffs, when it dips down, it's above 60 so I think it's due to the fact that he handles the ball so much. He dribbles so much. He's a two-time MVP. And we've entered this world of the super skilled player where it seems everybody has to be able to pass, dribble, you know, pass, dribble, shoot. Uh, gone are the big, tough guys, really. P.J. Tucker is one of the last of an era where he's only on the court to play major minutes with no offensive game. P.J. Tucker's entire offensive game is going stand in the left or right corner and wait on a pass. Um, set a screen and roll to the left or right corner, wait on the pass and knock down a three. You know, that's pretty much one of the last of his era and his style, um, being able to play major minutes with no offensive game uh, to speak of. And so you look at Giannis, he is an absolute mammoth. And uh, Nick Wright pointed out on first things first, he said um, earlier in the Atlanta series or series before that, you know, he's Giannis's numbers are mirroring 01 Shaq's numbers. In which we 2000 Shaq's number we thought was the most dominant player ever. Giannis is putting up very, very similar numbers. Now in this series, he's doing stuff nobody's done ever. I mean, the combination of the 20 in the quarter and the 30 and a half. Think about it. Even when Jordan scored 20 in that quarter in 92, he still didn't get 30 and a half. Uh, and so um, that was that's huge. What Giannis is doing out there. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's banging on chairs because he's seeing his best opportunity at a title. And his first opportunity in the title slip away. You know, we saw what they did to Kevin Durant. We saw what they did to LeBron James. We saw what they did to several other big time players. That first bite at the apple isn't sweet. You don't get that apple. What do you do? Uh, for Kevin Durant, it ultimately was exiting go exiting Oklahoma City and going to Golden State. For LeBron James, it was taking off the black hat he wore the whole year, being himself and going to dominate the league. So you see guys, you know, have those struggles, uh, especially wing players. You see them go through having to lose their first finals. But obviously he's trying to fight back, trying to make sure that doesn't happen to him. He's in an 0-2 hole. So that's a bad spot to be in, especially in the NBA finals. And speaking of the team that put him in that 0-2 hole, the Phoenix Suns have taken, like I said, the commanding 2-0 lead. Teams in the NBA finals that have their 2-0 lead have won over 90% of the finals that that has occurred in. So that bodes well for the city of Phoenix to be donning NBA Finals hats, to have the Larry O'Brien in the Valley of the Sun, and to have Chris Paul hoisting his first ever NBA championship. Now, I predicted, um, you check my Twitter timeline, it's still there, where the Suns will win in seven, Chris Paul finally the MVP. I feel good about two thirds of that equation. I feel good about the Suns, and I feel good about Chris Paul. I do not feel good about the Seven. Um, I believe this series is over in five. I believe the next time I come on this podcast, which will be next Friday, um, I believe that this series will be over. 
they play Sunday. I expect Milwaukee to win game three. Uh, but I expect Phoenix to win game four and close out at home in game five and have the biggest party the city of Phoenix has ever seen uh, directly after winning an NBA championship. Uh, that is going to be amazing to see. But I, I just I don't see a scenario where the Milwaukee Bucks wins this game, wins this series or even makes it honestly makes it competitive for more than a game or two. Here's why. You don't have historic performances like what we've seen from Giannis go to waste and expect to have any hope in that series. Look at what we've seen in recent years. You remember LeBron James uh, versus the Golden State Warriors, 51-8-8. They lost that game and they proceeded to get swept because that was the greatest game arguably ever in the finals ever played. And due to George Hill missing a layup, J.R. Smith forgetting what the score was, the game disappeared into the ether. If they, if they win in regulation, LeBron has 49-8-8, played the greatest game arguably ever in the NBA Finals, especially considering what he was up against and the circumstance. And instead, it disappears into the ether. It's a footnote. We, it's a meme of LeBron pointing. Dude, you've all seen it. LeBron and J.R. Smith, LeBron's hands extended, looking absolutely disgusted. It's a meme. It's a joke, and that game disappeared into the ether. Remember Kevin Durant's game, 49 point triple double, game five. Sure, they won the game, but it's going to disappear into the ether because they lost the series. Giannis last night is going to join that very select list. Luca has some ex- incredibly historic games against the Clippers. Games he lost, they've disappeared into the ether. I cannot remember one of the stat lines. Giannis last night had one of those kind of games where he had 30 points in the second half, including 20 in the third quarter. Both historically do not happen. One hasn't happened in 26 years and the other hasn't happened in 30 years. And it's going to disappear into the ether because no one came along with Giannis. If I'm Giannis, I say thanks, Milwaukee, but no thanks to this full five-year contract. I go to management. I thank them for everything they've done for me and my family, and I politely ask to leave the city of Milwaukee. It's nothing personal. You're in a situation where that Giannis, that's your team. <laughs> I mean, real, real, that is your organization. That's your riding buddies. That's who you're going to roll with. Brooke Lopez is going to keep coming back. You've got Bobby Portis in the contract for now, but Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are your, one, are your two and your three. Do you feel comfortable, Giannis Antetokounmpo, with trusting your career in the hands of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton for the rest of your athletic prime? The answer should be an affirmative hell no. I love Drew Holiday. I'm a Pelicans fan. You guys know this. I'm a Pelicans fan. I love what Drew helped do for the city. I love his community outreach. His wife is amazing. Um, The battles they went through with her and then having a child and so happy for Drew. Uh, getting opportunity to play on the big stage, getting the opportunity to compete for finals. Milwaukee even paid him the max. I mean, it's it's a beautiful situation with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, a guy that came up like Giannis with Giannis, same draft class. Both were the lowest rated people on the Bucks. They both had 60 overall ratings at one point on 2K. Um, you know, both were fighting for the same minutes to the point where Giannis told a story about how he was trying to take Chris Middleton's minutes. And now they are the one and the two in the city of Milwaukee in the NBA Finals for that team that had faith in them. I love the story. I love both of their stories. Like I said, especially Drew being a Pelicans fan, 
um, knowing he did for the community, etc. And the personal battles he went through, I love it. I'm goddamn it making a movie. They're not good enough basketball players to support Giannis to win a title. Chris Middleton's as a hell of a three. Meaning he deserves to be the third best player on the championship team. Drew Holiday is a humdinger of a four. Meaning he should be the fourth best player on a championship team. Maybe a three if you have two amazing, uh, if you have a one and a two that are both amazing. In a situation where you have Jordan and Pippen, yeah, Drew can be a three. Stephen, Stephen, KD, yeah, Drew can be a three. But he's currently a three when the two on the team doesn't deserve to be the two. When the two on the team was a three and you're trying to be the three, uh, it's a bad matchup. And so you've got a super, super streaky guy in Chris Middleton. Good story. Hell of a story. I'm glad for him and his family. Not a number two on the championship team. Hell of a three, though. And you've got Drew Holiday, who's playing the most inconsistent basketball of his life and pretty much has been since the playoffs started. Now, he did have a couple of good games with Giannis in the lineup. I think it's because he's more free-flowing. He didn't have to think as much. And so it allowed Drew to play more with the ball in his hands, not so much having to depend on a drive guy like Giannis, watching Giannis pound the ball, pound the air out of the ball, rather, before trying to get a catch-and-shoot opportunity. It gave Drew the free-flowing that he may have needed in this situation. Chris Middleton also played his two best games of the playoffs without Giannis. Unfortunately for both of them, they cannot survive when Giannis hit the bench. Last night, Giannis played in the second half every minute, but he played 21 out of 24 minutes. They were plus eight with Giannis on the floor in those 21 minutes. They were minus seven with Giannis off the floor in those three. In a span of three and a half minutes, they pretty much erased all of the work Giannis did in the second half. While Giannis was currently scoring 30 plus points, including 20 in the third quarter. Drew, Drew Holiday, love you, man. Chris Middleton, love you, man. Neither one of you deserve to be, or are good enough, unfortunately, to be the number two and three to Giannis's one. Giannis is the one. That's obvious. Let's not play this game. Oh, Chris Middleton's the better player. Stop it. They couldn't have done anything without Drew Holiday. Stop it. Giannis is the best player on that team. He's a top three player in the world. Maybe top four, depending on where you put Kawhi Leonard. But he's a top four player in the world, inarguably. Let's stop this game. It's Giannis's team. It's Giannis's franchise. It's Giannis's future. And because of that, I I hope that he walks to management and says, you know, it's been it's been fun, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna opt out of this one. Um, I would like to be traded to here. It could be New York. It could be Atlanta. It could be Dallas. It could be Miami. It could be LA, either one. It could be Portland. It could be New Orleans. But if I'm Giannis, I calmly ask to be traded from the Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you for your understanding, the city of Milwaukee. It's not your fault, city of Milwaukee. He resigned. You took that kid out of Greece that nobody knew how to pronounce his first or last name 
and he turned into a super mega star on your hands, winning two MVPs and bringing you to your first finals since Lou Alcindor. But it's over. Sorry. And in three games, you'll be staring, you'll be cheering a Bucks team coming home with no title. Again. I mean, at least this time you made it to the finals. But it's over. You're never going to get this chance again. Giannis, it's time for you to look around the corner and realize that's a dark and gloomy place. You should probably abandon ship. And again, it's nothing against the city of Milwaukee. He loves it there. Hell, I love it there. I've never been, but I mean, I assume you pay me $200 million I like anyway. But you should probably get ready for the impending Giannis exit, or at least the one that I would advise him to do. Now, let's go to some news. I love news. News is always great. Keeps the topic flowing. Kawhi Leonard Watch is officially on. Um, he has not committed, obviously, to returning to the Los Angeles Clippers next season. According to several people, including Skip Bayless, he has gotten sideways with the Los Angeles Clippers medical team over the extent of his injury. Sound familiar? Oh, it sounds like when he got side with the San Antonio Spurs medical team over the extent of his injury, ended up in Toronto, won a chip, and got to the Clippers. Uh-huh. The thing about it this time that makes it a little bit different from last time is that this time Kawhi Leonard can simply opt out of his contract. Oh, the Clippers, Jack Diddley squat, have no control by the Clippers and simply sign wherever he chooses. Unlike San Antonio, who still had him on the contract for another year or so uh, and shipped him off to what they consider the barren wasteland of Toronto, only for Kawhi to mess around and win a chip in that said barren wasteland. Having known Kawhi through TV, through sport, whatever, I don't know him personally, but having observed him closely from what I can gather, from what he shows us um, and how they dealt with the San Antonio Spurs situation, I would venture to think that Kawhi Leonard is going to resign with the Clippers. It makes no sense from a personal standpoint to exit. The man lives in San Diego. He willingly drives two hours a day to practice just to live the lifestyle he wants to live. So I don't think he would abandon that lifestyle to go to, let's say, Dallas, rustling and bustling. It's not L.A., but it's it's a bustling city. You'll never blend in, etc. Even though the Cowboys run the town, you know, and there's other places that have been linked to him as well. And I just don't see Kawhi making that decision right now. If he was healthy played how he played against the Mavs and they went down, I get it. But they went six games with the future NBA champions without him. He has to be thinking they beat the Suns and they're in the NBA Finals if he doesn't bump knees against the Utah Jazz and has to miss the rest of the playoffs. They're probably in the NBA Finals and I'm talking about them being up 2-0, getting ready to bring their first championship to Los Angeles, which already has 17, thanks to the Lakers. Um, so that is going to be interesting to watch. Again, we have no commitment from Kawhi Leonard um, saying or going. I mean, it's all quiet on the Western front. Um, and so we will definitely see what Kawhi Leonard decides to do. And now we shift to the social media side of the show. Now, normally I don't do topics centered around social media. I just usually it's never a fulfilling topic. Um, you guys don't particularly care 
Um, it's something that I'll bring up maybe in a footnote, but I'm going to do actual discussion on a couple of things that's been happening around one team pretty much on social media. And that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's start with current players. Uh, Andre Drummond was on a Twitter exchange. Not sure how he got there. Not sure why he was in it. Uh, Twitter exchange with some people. And basically, they called him out saying, how come you're not an Embiid, Jokic, Aiden type kind of player where, you know, you're getting 20 and 10 and all this other stuff. And he basically responded with, I would do that if y'all coach would play me more. Basically saying my playing time is the reason why I didn't dominate with those numbers. I didn't have time. Okay. Okay. Hypothetically. Let's say that's let's say it's playing time. Let's say he's supposed to play 34 minutes a night. Hypothetically. LeBron James is going to get seven rebounds a night. Anthony Davis is going to get anywhere from seven to ten. That's 17. What player on the Phoenix Suns is going to consistently give you seven rebounds a game? What player on the Philadelphia 76ers is going to routinely give you seven rebounds a game? Especially in the starting lineup. Seven rebounds a game. You couldn't come up with anybody either. There's a reason why Andre Drummond will never put up those 2020 games with the Lakers he did with Cleveland, etc. Detroit. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to routinely average 16 rebounds a game in the starting lineup with Andre Drummond. That's 16 rebounds in a game he's not going to have a chance at. If you look at it, he probably had teammates in his life total average 16 rebounds a game in the starting lineup. He played with Blake Griffin. That's probably his best quote-unquote sidekick and rebounder. Blake Griffin got like six. So you got two guys routinely over seven or eight. In your starting lineup, Andre Drummond, you're not going to get those numbers. I don't care if you play 48 or 48. You're not going to get those kind of rebounding numbers. Because then Trez is going to get his. Kuz is going to get his. KCP is going to snake a couple. Schroeder comes and gets them. So you're not going to have those massive numbers, Andre Drummond. Get over yourself. It's not your fault. In your head, you're thinking, I came here to be the next Laker championship winning big. Wilt Chamberlain, the cream of Abdul-Jabbar, Shaq. Pau Gasol, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond. I mean, in your defense, you were brought there to be the missing link. The Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee kind of guy. And instead, you turn into a tall Montrezl Harrell with less heart and a lot less desire. Honestly, a little disappointment. You were injured in mean, your first game. You broke your toenail off in your shoe. That's just unfortunate. But I mean, the rest of it... It just wasn't, it mounted a whole lot of nothing. Uh, you were live at the free throw line. There was no real way you guarded anything, especially in the pick and roll. I don't need you, Mr. Drummond, trying to attest to that. If you played more, your stats would go higher. Honestly, I believe you would have played more starting lineup. Your stats wouldn't have moved and you would have looked worse based on analytics. Take your wins, you can get them, bro. You didn't play that much. Your numbers didn't look bad for the amount of minutes you played. Take your wins into free agency. See what you can get. If you're smart, you'll go back to the Lakers. If you're not smart, you'll go take the biggest deal on the table, which will probably be from a Boston or a Sacramento or something. And you'll put up decent numbers and lose basketball games. But hey, you can put those numbers, right? Go do that. Kyle Kuzma, everyone's favorite blonde. Kidding. Uh, everyone's favorite tall Eminem. Not kidding. And so he was on social media and made a comment something along the lines of he'd be an all-star and average 20 something points a game if given the opportunity and that was his role 
Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Kyle Kuzma, you can't force that role. I think that's what the issue arose. Anyway, he tried to force being an all-star. He tried to force 20-something minutes a game. He tried 20-something points a game, rather. He tried to force being this elite-level player that he flat-out, A, isn't, B, not on this team. Again, you're playing basketball with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Now, could he go to, um, trying to think somewhere destitute and desolate, Oklahoma City? And shoot the ball 20 sometimes a game and get scored 22, 24 points a game and not make an awesome team because they'd win 10 games. But could he go somewhere like Oklahoma City and score 24, 25 points a game? Yeah. Because Shea Gibbs, Isaac Andrews, the only player really taking shots on the team. I mean, Lou Dort, it was the second highest shot taker or something like that on the year. So Kuz can go there immediately as the team's best score. Like I said, probably shoot 20 to 24 times a game, score anywhere from 22 to 25 points a game. And. Elevate himself to a very large contract. Doesn't help him. Doesn't help anybody. He wouldn't even be an all-star because he's in the West. Hey, he can get his rocks off. Could he go to Orlando? Become an all-star? Absolutely. The forwards? Oh, yeah. He can get it. He can get it in East. You know, there's no... Giannis is a, is a forward. KD's a forward. Out of names. Out East. I'm sure Julius Randle's out there. John Collins is out there. Um... There's a couple of great guys, a couple of good forwards other than that, but he can absolutely have that 24 shot, 24 point roll with Orlando Magic, make an all star team. He'd be perfectly fine. The forwards aren't that great out east. He'd probably get play himself into a nice contract, but it wouldn't help him. It would help him financially, but it wouldn't help anybody else. Look, I like Kuzma. I like him as a person. Seems like a very fun guy. Him and Lonzo Ball had that spat on Twitter a few years ago. It was great. I don't know what he does well on a basketball championship level team. I don't know how he helps. He doesn't. Well, I mean, it, I don't. I don't know what he helps. He doesn't play defense consistently. He doesn't rebound consistently. But he's six nine. He doesn't make smart basketball plays in the crunch time. I prefer him not being on the floor due to his basketball IQ. I don't know what he does consistently well besides switch up his hair color. Especially at a championship level. He does that blonde to black thing very well. Everything else, it doesn't go especially well. Look, it's nothing personal. Kuzma, like I said about Drummond, nothing personal. It's just neither one of you are complaining about the right thing in your life. I don't know if you ask your trainer, your agent, family. I don't get it. But neither one of you are doing the right thing right now for your basketball career. Andre Drummond, you can end up in Siberia. Literally. If LeBron blackballs you in the NBA, which, I mean, there's already GMs and execs saying you don't contribute to winning despite your stats. Piss off Braun, and you may end up in Siberia. Kuzma? You might end up on Orlando. Again, you could be the best player. You know, I think Cole Anthony has more talent than you, but you could be the best player and win 25 games a year, shooting 25 shots and scoring 25 points. But hey, you'll get those stats. Yeah, brah. I want to get your act together along with Drummond. Do I think either you should be forced to play with the Lakers? No. I don't, I don't, I don't think you should be forced to do anything. But you should get your act together before well, the NBA gets over you. It's a rough place to be on the outside looking in. 
ask I don't know anyone who's not playing it sucks get your act together before you join them and the last thing the last bit of news positive news for the Lakers I guess on social media was Jamal Murray liking a tweet saying that Jamal Murray's going to the Lakers or it was a tweet talking about the Lakers and Jamal Murray being connected whatever but anyway it put the Lakers and the Jamal Murray in the same sentence and involved Jamal Murray wearing a Laker uniform and Jamal Murray liked said tweet now I know that's not a lot it's not a lot as a serious journalist like myself I shouldn't lose my ish over it at all it's a like tweet for all we know it could have been a finger slip we have no idea but we do know that he did like the tweet it was up long enough for others to see he liked said tweet so that means he didn't immediately delete it now again it could have been a finger slip we don't know i haven't checked his social media to see if it was still in his liked list but we do know for a fact it was done and not immediately unliked so that is something to keep our eye on I'm not sure contractually or trade-wise how it would work. It'd probably have to involve a Schroeder signing trade, a, a throw-in, maybe a disgruntled Drummond or Cougars or something. You know, it has, I don't know how it would work exactly for Jamal Murray, but that's very interesting, the fact that he liked that tweet. Um, again, it might not be a lot, but it's something. Uh, some other quick news. The 75th anniversary logo of the NBA has been announced. Um, so it is the traditional Jerry West silhouette inside of a diamond with the number 75 next to the silhouette. I posted it on Twitter and IG if you guys want to go look at it. Uh, James Harden was briefly detained, although never truly arrested and never handcuffed for being in Paris with Lil Baby, the rapper. Um, Lil Baby was arrested on possession of illegal, of illegal narcotics. Uh, he had weed on him. Harden not having any on him. Um, and so Lil Baby was arrested, although he has been released. Uh, James Harden was briefly detained. They were in Paris together. Uh, a, their friends. B, they were there together for a fashion week. Uh, another notable name there was Kanye West. Many of you may have seen his mask that he wore, uh, which was incredibly, incredibly interesting. Uh, Jamal Mosley is, fa- is a top candidate to be in Dallas as an assistant coach. He's currently working on the Denver Nuggets staff. And he could be the top assistant for the Dallas Mavericks staff. But that is all we have for the NBA. And now we're going to shift into the NFL and talk about what's going down there, even with the offseason currently being underway. And we are back and welcome into the show. And now we're going to dive into the NFL and talk about what's going down there. And we're going to start off with the match. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. The match was a golf tournament. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Um, It was a golf game, but it involved the two of the best, what, four quarterbacks on planet Earth at the moment? Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Um, and so they talked and chatted, and of course, the whole time they're playing, they're wearing AirPods um, or headphones in general, but I think both were wearing AirPods. Um, and it's designed to do that so that people can call in, like Gronk called in to Brady at one point um, and was talking to Brady over the broadcast. And then the announcers, Charles Barkley, etc., uh, whoever doing the announcer crew can talk to the player. So they took like a little intermission when Brady and Tom was playing catch. 
you could hear their conversation through the AirPods. Um, and so that was pretty cool to hear. Uh, they were talking just general football, like um, Rodgers questioned Brady why he switched his stance from left foot forward to more of an even set. Uh, it was it was it was pretty cool, you know, just small little tidbits like that. But on the golf cart, one moment that was interesting. They were driving, and Rodgers was asked week one who's going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and his response was, "I don't know." That is the best avoidance of a sack Aaron Rodgers may have ever had in his NFL career. That was spectacular because he's still applying the pressure to the Green Bay Packers. Now, again, he has been linked to the Denver Broncos, so has Deshaun Watson. But that's a different story for a different podcast. Aaron Rodgers has been linked to the Green to the Denver Broncos, rather, uh, from the Green Bay Packers. That would be an interesting fit, all things considered. You look at Denver. I've said this before, no one seems to be afraid of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid because everybody seems to be wanting to go to Denver to play quarterback. But if you look at it, they have a top 10 defense. They have a defensive head coach. So that means you will have vast control over the offense wherever it, whoever gets there. Deshaun Watson is going to bring his Texans playbook or Aaron Rodgers is going to bring his Packers playbook. Uh, very similar to when they had Peyton Manning come in. Peyton Manning ran the offense, ran the offensive meetings, brought in his own offense. Um, they figured it was easier to teach Peyton, easier for Peyton to teach the other 50 guys probably on the offensive staff in the preseason than the other guys teach Peyton. Uh, and so I expect if, if anyone gets to Denver for either Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers to bring their, to bring their playbooks, but focusing on Aaron Rodgers and focusing on that team, you've got a top 10 defense. Um, you have Jerry Judy who has released social media video lately of absolutely destroying people in, in practice. Um, you have Cortland Sutton, you have Noah Fant, you have Philip Lindsay, you have Melvin Gordon, you have a pretty good offensive line and you have the advantage of the mile high air, which no one's going to get adjusted to after November. Cause then it becomes cold and thin. And that is a rough environment to be in as Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, put Brady out of the playoffs twice by beating him in Denver. Uh, Denver is a rough place to play, like I said, especially when it becomes thin and cold um, because everywhere else is used to thick and cold and and Denver gets thin. And so that is uh, definitely something that you should watch out for. Aaron Rodgers being connected to the Denver Broncos. But Aaron Rodgers is dodging, like I said, Rodgers is dodging questions. He won't answer anything straight up. Uh, If it involves him and the Packers next season, he's avoiding it. Now, he did choose to not opt out of the season. Uh, we saw that as a possibility. Very small. Very, very small uh, possibility uh, that he would do that because it was so early in the process. You don't know what things can change after you decide to opt out. Uh, and But he would get most. He would have gotten most of his money. Uh, they believe out of $30 million, he would have got 20 or something like that. You know, he would have gotten most of his money, filling the rest with Jeopardy checks if you have to. And so that would be something that would have been interesting to do or to look at rather if let's say the preseason's in August, if that deadline was June or that, that deadline was, you know, right before the preseason preseason, I say August 15th and the deadline was August 1st, something like that, you know, where it would give Rogers plenty of time to realize what I want to happen isn't going to happen. So therefore I'm going to just simply opt out of the season. Um, so he did not do that. However, and so now the clock's officially on the Green Bay Packers organization. They played this dance with Brett Favre, with Aaron Rodgers. 
Now they're playing this dance with Aaron Rodgers, having Jordan Love in the wing. And so someone's going to fold. Um, I believe ultimately will be Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers are in no position, no forced position to move him. It's not like Rodgers can leave after this season. He's got, I believe, three years left on that contract. And because of which, the Green Bay Packers have all the leverage in this scenario. I don't think Rodgers has a chance to force his way or bully his way out unless he decides to retire, which is something that the Packers can't stop him from doing. However, they would own his rights for three more seasons, meaning he couldn't play for anybody else. Similar to what Calvin Johnson had retired from the Detroit Lions, and about a year after that, was going to come back and play for the Patriots. However, the Lions had had his rights for two more seasons after that, wouldn't release said rights, and so he ultimately stayed retired and never got to join the New England Patriots in the peak of Brady, which would have been incredibly interesting to see Brady and Megatron. Now, some of you may have been following the story of Cameron Kinley. He was a graduate of the Naval Naval Academy, and similar to his other predecessors that had possibly NFL futures, um, he applied for his service to be delayed, uh, his his obligated service. So when you go to the military academies, West Point, Air Force, Naval, um, you are committing, you're going to school for free, but you then in turn commit to join the military upon graduation. Now, the benefit of that is you're already an officer. So you don't, I believe you don't have to do basic training. You might have to. Uh, I, mean, I haven't really looked into it. Obviously, I didn't go to military academies. Um, but if you do have to do basic training, you enter right as an officer. You don't have to work your way up. It's better pay, all the other stuff. But in exchange for your free education, you are guaranteeing three years, uh, two to three years of military service to the country. Most people, if you're entering the military academy, you pretty much are going to go to the military um, and you're doing so as an officer. So it is a pretty kick butt way to do it. If you're going to military 18, I would do it that way. That's either here nor there. What is here nor there is Cameron Kenley applied to get his service delayed to go play NFL football. Now, that's been a common thing to do. Um, a few players over the past few years, including someone in this class with him at Navy, received permission to what, what they call delay their service. Um, it has to come from the Pentagon, I believe, uh, and the president has signed up on it as well, I think, uh, in terms of what has to be done in order for you to get it, but it's usually a standard, yeah, you can delay your service. Most guys that try in the military, to try to go to the NFL that are in military, don't make it. Uh, they usually get cut. You know, they don't really ever make the team. Uh, that was the one that went to Baltimore. He was around for a while. I think he was going to play a couple years and then disappeared. So I assume the disappearing was him saying, thank you for the opportunity. Love you, NFL. Time for me to go serve my country kind of thing. But, you know, I'm not sure the process works, but I'm sure if you get released, they give you so much amount of time to get back in the fold, whatever. But it's standard that they are allowed to play. Uh, Cameron Kenley, for some reason, was not allowed to do so. Um, he already participated in the Bucks mini camp, or had started to, and then received notice that his uh, his um, application to have his server delay was denied. And so him and his agent began to try to figure out, okay, why was I denied when others in a very similar position to me were not denied? Um, so that one process went through. They went on did a day interview, social media stuff, etc. And as of yesterday or the day before that, his service his service was allowed to be delayed. It came from the Pentagon, I believe, and his service was delayed. So now he can go participate in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, camp. 
to see if he can make the NFL. So big ups to um, Cameron Kenley, big ups to the Naval Academy, big ups to the military in general, the government uh, for allowing Kenley to pursue his dream uh, of being an NFL football player. New England Patriots wide receiver Nikhil Harry has officially requested a trade uh, as per his agent. Uh, his agent put out a statement that said in part that his targets were not sufficient, that he believed that Harry had a better chance to succeed elsewhere, that he believed that uh, the environment and the situation in New England was not conducive to his client, Harry's success, and that he would be better suited, Harry, to be on a different team. Um... I'm a Patriots fan, so this one kind of came out of left field. Uh, speaking from a fan perspective, am I upset? No. I've been calling Harry a bust since pretty much we drafted him. Uh, I know he had an injury um, that really canceled his rookie. I mean, he came back in it, but he wasn't the same. Uh, and then last year, you could say COVID was a situation. Cam was the quarterback. I like Cam as a quarterback, but you know, you could say go from Brady to Cam. That's a switch up. But I just don't think the ability is there even his agent said that he wants to be in a you know a physical aggressive catch environment basically saying he's gonna have to depend on his physical stature and his body to be successful in the nfl not necessarily his speed i don't like that as a receiver um and now they're saying his value could be worth a conditional six round pick if i'm bill belichick i don't know if it's worth trading him yes you got a the goat from a compensatory six round pick you got brady but I just don't think that a conditional six-round pick is worth, if the receiver, if Harry is good as his agent thinks he is, the conditional six is not worth uh, Nikhil Harry. And so if I'm Belichick, I hold off probably a fourth. Something along those lines, uh, just giving up on a first-round pick and swapping him out for a six just doesn't seem, conditional six at that, just doesn't seem like a smart move from Belichick. I would hold on to him. But by no means am I devastated or anything of that sort, uh, because Nikhil here decided that he he wanted to move on. Um, so there was a co- there was a report out that they have the all troll team on social media. Okay, you know you, you, the typical names at the top. You got LeBron James, you got Tom Brady, but the top five in the NFL was Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Drew Brees. Josh Norman, and number six was Jalen Hurts. Now, a couple of the names on this list surprised me. All troll teams usually have great players on them. Why? Because unless you're a great player, you have no reason to be trolled. It's one of those things like, you know, like, why would I troll the backup left guard? Like, that's not that's not beneficial if you're a fan on Twitter trying to make, uh, you know, uh, go viral. Brady makes sense. He's talked about personally and on the field. Patrick Mahomes makes sense. His voice, people talk about a lot, um, and losing a Super Bowl had to be rough for him as well. Aaron Donald's kind of odd because Aaron Donald's pretty quiet, so I don't know why they troll Aaron Donald, although he was involved in an altercation, so maybe it spiked from there. You've got Drew Brees, uh, New Orleans fans, New Orleans Saints fans bash him bad on Twitter at times, so I can understand him. Josh Norman was a surprise. Um, it wasn't up until probably about a minute and a half, two minutes ago, that I realized he was on the wrong end of a Derrick Henry stiff arm. One of the famous stiff arms, but he elevated Josh Norman. And so maybe that is the situation. Uh, maybe he got it so bad in those few weeks that he jumped up the rankings. 
But the name that I was surprised about was Jalen Hurts. He didn't seem like a trollable kind of guy. Um, he went to Alabama, had great success there. Went to Oklahoma, had great success there. Comes to the Eagles, takes Carson Wentz's spot. You know, goes two and two in his starts. I just don't see the trolling there. Do I think he's very good? No. Do I think he's an NFL starter? No. Do I think he's a hell of a backup? No. Do I think he's a good backup and you wouldn't mind having him on your team? Yes. Um, He's a great locker room guy. I don't get the Jalen Hurts trolling. Now, they could be listing hate as trolling. They could be listing as um, I don't. Jalen Hurts sucks as trolling, whatever. So if that's the case, then maybe I can get it. But just flat out trolling him for the purpose of trolling, I don't necessarily see the benefit of doing so to Jalen Hurts. Although, like I said, I could be wrong. And just a little side note, I have a couple of sleeper teams this year in the NFL, uh, one in the NFC, one in the AFC. So as we know, every year, a team or two doubles their wins. Now, usually this is a byproduct of injuries. One year, those players aren't injured the next year, they double their wins. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. I believe they might triple their wins. They won four or five last year. They may go 13, 14 this year. Uh, they're a very good team. You know, I don't think they're going to triple, I think they're going to double, but you know, they're a very good team that suffered a lot of injuries. Quarterback, defensive end, linebacker, safety, receiver, running back. If it, if it was a unit, they probably got hurt. However, in the NFC and the AFC this year, I'm going to go with the NFC Minnesota Vikings and the AFC Cincinnati Bengals. Now, for the Minnesota Vikings, it's simple. It's health. If that team is healthy, they are a 9-10 win team. They won five games last year, and they get the extra week to try to accomplish it. And for the Cincinnati Bengals, it is simple. They have a hell of a schedule. Their schedule, they are my dark horse team. I received a little bit of interesting feedback when I picked the Cincinnati Bengals to make the playoffs. Um, and win 10 games, uh, putting the Pittsburgh Steelers in fourth place, which also drew a lot of ire. But I have the Cincinnati Bengals winning 10 games and making the playoffs, which would be double their win total from last year. Joe Burrow is healthy. Joe Mixon, hopefully, is healthy. You've got Jamar Chase now. Your offensive line is finishing up. And your defense is solid personnel-wise. And so if you can get a solid situation going in terms of consistency from the scheme on defense, the Cincinnati Bengals could easily double their wins. Like I said, I have them winning 10 and making the playoffs, and that would be my double-up teams. But up next, we are going to shift to the UFC and talk about what's going down this weekend. Welcome into the show, and now we're going to touch on UFC 264, highlighted by, of course, the trilogy fight, the rubber match between Dustin Poirier of Lafayette, Louisiana, and Conor McGregor, the notorious one from Dublin, Island, I believe. This has become a very, very uh, interesting feud, which all O'Connors are. That's what he does. That's what he's, he's there at UFC to do. He's got charisma. He's got attitude. He's got swag. He's got a mouth. And now he's got a boatload of money to back it up. And his fist can hurt you. And so Poirier now is starting to return some of the shots. Um, you can tell Poirier's strategy in this press conference was to try and stay maintained, try and stay composed. Um, try and remember that he knocked 
Conor McGregor out in the last fight. So that is definitely something that he has over Conor was that he did knock Conor out. Now, Conor knocked him out the first time. So I guess if you look at it that way, uh, both of them have taken their pound of flesh off the other. But they are both also trying to get in the other person's head. Conor walked up and threw Dustin Poirier's bottle of hot sauce, uh, Poirier's hot sauce brand, off the table. Uh, you look at McGregor was asked a question, and Poirier took it as an opportunity to dig, uh, took a big dig into McGregor. But looking at the fight, uh, McGregor said that, man, I was looking past Dustin. I was looking past him. Uh, he was had a 75% boxing camp due to the fact that he was looking at a Manny Pacquiao fight in boxing after Poirier was handled. And so the stakes have raised for this situation. Dana White has said that the winner of Poirier McGregor 3 probably gets the next title shot at the lightweight division at 155. Um, so that'll be huge for Conor to get back on the championship stage. And that'll be huge for Dustin. That'll be you know nearly the culmination of his career in terms of what he worked for. Uh, coming from uh, Southwest Louisiana, uh, battling all the way up through the UFC ranks and to arriving at a seven-figure payday thanks to Conor McGregor and the possibility of being the next UFC champion. So that is definitely something that we should keep our eye on. Uh, in terms of fight predictions, I'm going to ride with Conor. I'm going to ride with Conor by second-round TKO, uh, knockout TKO. Uh, I believe that he's going to not take Poirier lightly. He's going to use his full focus, use his full grip, use his full knowledge to really beat Poirier. Um, even though Poirier knocked him out the first time, I believe it was a second time. I believe it was a situation where Connor was, like he said, overlooking, overconfident, and decided to take chances he would normally take, play defense he would normally play, um, and Poirier time one up and knocked him out. But I believe that Connor's going to win this fight by either knockout or TKO somewhere in the second round. But up next, we're going to touch on the WNBA and see what's going down there. guys and welcome back into the show and now we're going to touch on the WNBA and talk about quickly what's going down there we had of course when we jump into a new sport what do we do we take a look at those standings and we got the WNBA standings we got the Seattle Storm at one Las Vegas Aces at two Connecticut Sun at three Minnesota Lynx at four Chicago Sky at five New York Liberty at six the Phoenix Mercury at 7, and the Upstart Dallas Wings at 8. Uh, I made a point to say Upstart Dallas Wings because that team is led by a bunch of young players. Uh, Rike Ogumbawale is their best player, uh, second and third year in the league. You've got Charlie Collier, uh, the second best player in her rookie year. Uh, so that team is going to be led by a long time by those two, regarding the center. And so they are going to be able to dominate this league. They're young, they're scrappy, they're hungry, they can score. Uh, it's very fun to watch them play, and they always give people a tough time. Even if they lose, you know you went into a battle with that Dallas Wings basketball team. As for the top two, 
they the aces in the storm. They're my WNBA finals prediction. I don't see anybody getting in their way of meeting each other in the WNBA finals, which I expect to do absolutely massive numbers, probably the highest rated ever, if those two get there healthy. So you get a Brianna Stewart, a Sue Bird, a Jewel Lloyd, you get an Asian Wilson, Liz Cambage, uh, Chelsea Gray. You know, it'd be huge to watch those stars come out and to watch how they play. Now, that's not saying nobody else can win it, you know. The Chicago Sky starting lineup is absolutely insane. Uh, Vandersloot, it's Quigley, it's Candace Parker, it's Diamond DeShields, it's Stephanie Dolson. I mean, that's an absolutely insane starting lineup. Uh, so, you know, the Sky can do it. You look at the Minnesota Lynx, they're really good. They can do it. The Connecticut Sun, they're really good. They can do it. The Mercury Healthy, Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins, and Brittany Griner, they're a scary trio. They could do it. And so it'll be very interesting to see uh, how this season unfolds, especially in the playoffs. Uh, Kennedy Carter, young star of the Atlanta Dreams, was suspended uh, for violation of team rules and conduct detrimental to the team. Uh, reportedly, it comes from an altercation on the bench she had with a either player or staffer. And so she was suspended for conduct detrimental. Now, when one is suspended for that, I know in most leagues, it voids your guaranteed dollars. So we're gonna, definitely going to see if Kennedy Carter has to all of a sudden earn every single dollar in her contract and she could be cut at any moment, which would be a swift, stiff reminder to come back to earth when entering the professional ranks. Nekil Gumake and Chanel Gumake are pushing to play for the Nigerian national team in the Olympics. So remember a couple weeks ago, well, I think I believe last week, we spoke about um, the Gumake, specifically Neka, being left off of the... Uh, USA women's Olympic team due to what they claim injury, but Derek Fisher pointed out the timelines don't make sense for injury and not being on the team. So that was complete and totally BS. However, NECA and Chanae are attempting to play for the Nigerian uh, men's basketball team, which would be a very interesting situation. There are eight current NBA players on the Nigerian men's team, and this would be the best two players far and away on the Nigerian women's team who Honestly, could have a pretty decent chance of making it, making some real noise with the Aguma case sisters, especially with the rest they're going to get, unfortunately, from injury. And lastly but not least, Washington Mystics guard Natasha Cloud has retired and immediately moved into a role uh, in the league around diversity and inclusion. So she's going to transition from, from on the court making plays to off the court making plays. And so, congratulations to Natasha Cloud on an amazing career uh, being drafted. 11, 12, 13 years ago and still being around is absolutely tremendous, especially with the size of the W only having 144 spots. She was one of the best 144 players for over a decade. So that is tremendous. Uh, hell of a career, Natasha Cloud. Now up next, we're going to talk about our best for last, which is going to be about Space Jam. Alrighty, welcome back into the show. And as by now, as many of you know, welcome in the Best for Last, where we will be talking about Space Jam. Uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy comes out next week, next Friday actually. It, it premieres HBO Max with certain access. 
and it premieres uh, in theaters as well. Um, this is going to be a Space Jam: A New Legacy, starring LeBron James, the usual Looney Tunes characters, and the Goon Squad instead of the Monstars in the original. It's going to be the Goon Squad, uh, led by Neka Gumake, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Diana Taurasi, and Clay Thompson as the five members of the Goon Squad. Uh, I'm not sure how these players get captured. I mean, we know in the original that the Monstars took the talents of the NBA players, of the NBA stars, Muggsy Bogues, Charles Barkley, etc. Um, so we're not sure how these talented players are going to get their powers taken or how they get uploaded into the simulation of the game wherever this is taking place. Because uh, if you remember in the, one of the commercials, LeBron says, man, look what they did my dog, AD. Uh, he had a big old giant eyebrow. And then uh, Diana Taurasi literally turned into the white mamba. Uh, she, she literally turned into a white snake. Uh, Neka Gumake turned into a giant spider. Uh, the Arachnica. Um, so they're definitely doing a play on words with the names. But even with Damian Little and Clay Thompson, or what they do well. Dame turned into a fireball, basically. And Clay turned into water, I believe. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, I'm interested to watch it, you know. Uh, I was born the year Space Jam came out originally. Um, so this is just kind of cool uh, to see the next great, greatest of all time do his version of Space Jam with the Looney Tunes, the updated graphics, um, you know, the different thing of everything's virtual this time, basically. So it's going to be pretty cool to see, you know, it's going to be a little more adult-ish content uh space jam one obviously had the curvy lowly the curvy lola bunny it had the um cigars at times but for the most part it was pretty pg and this one will be as well but you got lebron with the what in the matrix hell is going on here you you know you got granny drinking martinis at halftime uh stuff like that uh lebron's plan for his family instead of the talents of the NBA players like Michael Jordan was playing for. So it is very interesting to see Don Cheadle as the villain um, as opposed to some mythical alien dude. It's like Don Cheadle, who's a computer simulation. So I'm not sure how that works. Uh, but we're going to definitely, I'm definitely going to tune in. Uh, I'm sure he's going to do massive numbers. Not sure how big a numbers is going to do considering it's coming out on HBO Max as well. But I'm sure they'll uh, everyone will premiere access who logs into account as a ticket buyer or something like that. I don't know, but it's going to do massive numbers. Um, I expect it to out box office Space Jam one, uh, just because of the scope of LeBron James at this time. Uh, Magic Michael Jordan had an international scope, but so does LeBron. Uh, then there's more ways to get to it, so that'll be interesting. But I definitely uh, expect this to do massive numbers, and I am as a person, as a kid, as a LeBron fan. I am definitely excited for this movie. But that is all we have for today. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy spending your Friday with me, man. Uh, I I want you guys remember to follow the Twitter page and Instagram, Just In Time Sports Instagram. It's at JTime Sports. That's how you know when the podcast is going to drop. That's how you know when the podcast did drop. And that's how you will know all the sports information to affect your betting lines, your water cooler conversations, being smarter than your friends and family. Uh, So definitely follow those two pages. And of course, like, comment, and subscribe and rate on iTunes and Spotify, the Justin Time Sports Podcast that you're currently listening to. Now, I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. And this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.